Hello, and welcome to the podcast of the Central Church of God, located at 5120 Central Avenue, Portage, Indiana. Here, you can listen to Sunday service by Pastor Robert Sluter. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want more information about our church, please feel free to contact Pastor Robert at 219-963-8496. the song says when the the mountain that we're praying to be moved he doesn't answer and move it when the waters aren't parted for us to walk through when he doesn't give us the answer he wants we're still going to trust in him I mean this goes perfect with my sermon today listening to the voice of God but how many times do we want something and we think it's the best thing for us but God doesn't answer the way we want him to answer And the verse earlier says that you already know what my tomorrow holds. Sometimes the things we want moved out of our life, some of the things that we wanted parted away, is something that we need in our life. We don't understand it at the time, but if we would just wait to tomorrow, we know what the answer is, and it's His answer and His timing. You can be seated this morning. Following uh, Pastor Martin last week, he was up here preaching, and how many remembers what he preached last week? <laughs> I, I heard him start, I'm like, oh no, he's going to start walking into my sermon for next week. I already have it. Usually, I'm not always prepared, but I already knew the sermon I wanted. I already had a... Um, a visual aid to go along with it. I'm like, yes, I have the sermon. I know what God is saying. And Pastor Martin starts speaking. I'm like, oh no. He is going to walk right on in. And I'm going to have to change up what I'm speaking about. But luckily he didn't go in the direction I thought he was going to. But he was preaching last week about protecting the anointing of the anointed man. And this week I want to talk about hearing God's voice, listening to God's voice. And, you know... How do you protect your anointing more than listening to God? So I think this goes very well together. So, see, God knows what tomorrow holds. God knows what we need. God already has things orchestrated before we ever start doing them. And we just need to trust in Him. Um, As we get started today, I want to read a passage of Scripture. I'm sorry I'm not like uh, Pastor Martin and Pastor Sluter to where you're going to have it up on the uh, screen. So I'm going to give you a second to find it in your Bibles or your phones. It's Proverbs 2, 1 through 22. We're going to read the whole chapter there. So I'm going to give you a minute to find that. um, Because like I said, it's not going to be on the uh, screen. I'm sorry I'm not as uh, put together as they are with this stuff. So, um, But... You know, I saw a video clip a while ago, and and listening to it, I just thought, man, it is so true about what the guy was saying about listening to God's voice, and we're going to watch it here towards the end. I told Jolene it was going to be easy on her today. She only had the one slide to put up in one video. The only hard part was 
she's going to have to follow me when I tell her to play the video. Who knows when it's going to be. <clears throat> but Proverbs 2, starting in uh, verse 1. My child, listen to what I say. And treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair. And you will find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wisdom will save you from evil people. For those whose words are twisted. These men turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. They take pleasure in doing wrong. They enjoy the twisted way of evil. Their actions are crooked and their ways are wrong. Wisdom will save you from immoral women, from the seductive ways of the promiscuous woman. She has abandoned her husband and ignored the covenant she has made before God. Entering her house leads to death. It is a road to the grave. The man who visits her is doomed. He will never reach the path of life. So follow the steps of good and stay on the path of righteous. For only the godly will live in the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be removed from the land. The treacherous will be uprooted. Now, I know this scripture was more about wisdom and understanding, but how do we get wisdom and understanding? By listening to God. And if we don't listen to God, we don't get wisdom and understanding. And by that passage, if you want to make it to heaven, if you want to do what is right, if you want to stay away from the evil ways, you need wisdom and understanding. But before we go into what I'm going to speak about, how do we hear from God? How do we hear God's voice? And I know um, sometimes it's not the literal voice like you hear me speaking right now. But if we read God's Word, there's just something about it. If you get into God's Word and you start reading, it will check you. I mean, it will wreck you sometimes to where it's like, man, I can't believe what it's saying. And the amazing thing is about the Bible, you read it one time, you might get one thing out of it. You read it the next time, you get a little bit deeper understanding. The next time you read it, something else just pops out at you. There's times that I have read a scripture time and time again, and I'll read it again, and something will just pop out to me that I never saw before. Was it that it was never there? No, it was always there, but you get to the point where you start to grow, mature. 
Like the Bible says, you, you start to get away from the milk and you go to the meat. And the only way that you can get into the meat of the word is if you spend time in it, if you grow in it. But you've got to start someplace. The other way we hear from God is we pray. And I've talked about this. I know others have talked about it. But when you pray, so many times we pray in a way of God, this is what I want. This is what I need. Please touch this person. And a lot of good things because we're praying for people, people's needs, people who are hurting, lost, that needs God, that needs a healing, that needs a touch in so many ways. But after we get done giving our list of everything that's going on, we get up and we walk away. If we just tarry a little longer and give time for God to respond back to us, to speak back what he wants to, we're so much in a hurry to pray. And like I said, there's good things that we are praying for. It's not that there's an evil motive or anything like that, but we just get in a hurry. And we don't give God time to answer us back. We don't, when we're in prayer, we need to spend that time of praying, thanking God, praying to God what our needs are, but then at the same time, just give time for him to respond back. <clears throat> um, we, we see many great stories in the Bible of mighty men of God. And there's two guys we're going to look at today. We're going to look at Gideon, who will be found in Judges chapter 6 through 8. We're not going to read all that. it take forever. And we're going to look at David, who his story is from... 1 Samuel 16 through 1 Kings 2. If we read all that, we'd be here forever because that's a book and a half. Um, but these were great men of God, and there are so many great men of God in the Bible. And we always talk about the great things they did. Um, we know Moses went in and led the children of Israel out of captivity. We know... Um, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. We, we know all the great stories, but there's a reason I picked these two today. And I want to go into Gideon first. And, you know, when we start reading about Gideon, we find that he is hiding in a cave, thrashing wheat, because he's scared of the enemy. He is hiding out because he's scared the enemy is going to come along and take his food, his family's food, and he doesn't want to confront the enemy. And we see that the angel of the Lord shows up, and the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, and he says, mighty warrior. Now, how many mighty warriors do you know that's just hiding out, scared of the enemy, were afraid to do anything? And Gideon's response was, man, you've got to be wrong. You, you've got the wrong person. He says, I'm the least of my family. And not only am I the least of my family, but my family is the least of our tribe of Israel. And not only is my family the least of the tribe of Israel, but our tribe is the least of all the tribes. So I am the least of the least of the least. So you've got it wrong. I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm a nobody. And God loves to use the nobodies. The angel says, no, God's got it right, and you're going to save his people from the oppression of the enemy. And God told 
Gideon, he was going to go against uh, battle against the Midianites. And he got an army together. And he started out with 32,000 men. Now, the enemy's army was still more than the 32,000 men. The guy goes, Gideon, if you go to battle with those 32,000 men, you and Israel is going to say, look what we have done. We have defeated the enemy. God says, I want you to ask the men who's afraid, who's timid, who's scared to go to battle. Who's afraid here? Who, who, who's scared to go into battle? Out of 32,000 men, 22,000 said, I'm scared. God said, send them home. So Gideon's army went from 32,000 down to 10,000. And one foul cut. Gone. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Gideon, the least of the least of the least, and I'm already scared, and I had 32,000 men saying, look, there's 32,000, there's a lot more men over there, I don't know if we're going to win. When I look out and say, I got 10,000 men with me, I'm going to be really scared. I'm going to be like, oh, what is going on? But then God said, look, 10,000 men, that is too many. He said, you and Israel will say after you're done, look what we have done. Look at the battle we have won. So God told Gideon, he said, take your men down and let them drink. So they went to the stream. He told everybody to drink. And he, God said, Gideon, watch the guys. Watch how they drink. He said, whoever gets down on all four and put their head in the water, you're going to get rid of. But anybody who cups their hand and drinks, you're going to keep. So I think if I was Gideon, I'd be giving instructions before uh, they went and drank. Like, listen, this is how we're going to drink today. Uh, everybody do what I say. But we find out that 9,700 men got down on all four and put their head in the water. So if you're good with math right now, you know we are at 300 men left over. And God said, okay, Gideon, I like the numbers. I like these odds because there's no way that you can take the glory for what I'm going to do. And we know that Gideon went against the army then. And God told him, said, look, you're going to take your army of 300 and you're going to divide it into three. You're going to send 100 men on this side, 100 men on that side, and 100 men on this side over here. Don't worry about taking your swords. What I want you to take is a trumpet and a torch with a pot over it. Where they can't see the light. And then when I give the word, you're going to sound to your men and they're going to break the clay pots over their torches and they're going to sound their trumpets. So Gideon did as God said and they went around. When the time came and they blew the horns and broke the clay pots, the enemy got so scared that they didn't know who they were fighting and they killed one another. So like I said, when we, when we look at that mountain, it can't be moved. When we look at that way, that the water that he's not splitting, he knows what he's going to do. We just have to trust him. And if we listen to the voice of God and we trust him in what he's got planned, there's great victories. There's great time to come. But on Pastor Martin's note of protecting your anointing, we know that Gideon went on from there and chased down the two kings that was running and he killed them. 
And after he was all done, he said he didn't want the glory, but he asked that everybody who raided through, everybody that was there that was the enemy wore earrings. He goes, I just want one earring, one gold earring from each person here. And that's all I want. It doesn't seem like a lot. But in fact, it was something that's horrible because Gideon went and made a golden afad. And he took it back to his hometown and put it in. You say, well, that doesn't sound too bad. But this wasn't a spiritual afad. This was an idol to show what he had done. The victory that he had brought to his home. And it says, if you read um, Judges 6 through 8, when you get to verse chapter 8, read down towards the bottom, it says that Israel prostituted herself before this golden object. It said that it was a disgrace on Gideon and his family. If we are not careful, if we don't listen to God's voice all the way through the end, we end up making mistakes. And in order to protect our anointing, like Pastor Martin was talking about, we, we have to listen. And the problem is sometimes when we start to do things for God, we get a little big-headed. And even though Gideon only had 300 men, and God gave him the victory, the enemy can still sneak in if we're not protected. Like, well, man, look what you've done. Look what you have accomplished. And the enemy can sneak in and start, we start listening to his voice about how great we are, how wonderful we are, but we need to continue to listen to God's voice. The other person I want to bring out is David. King David. We all know who King David is, right? We know that at a young age, between the age of 14 and 16, they say he was anointed as king and he, he was a shepherd boy. Another least. He was the youngest son. When the prophet came to David's dad and said, one of your sons is going to be anointed king, his other six brothers was brought out, but he was left out in the field guarding the sheep. He was never thought of as the one that was going to be the next great king. And after the prophet had went by all the other sons, he goes, don't you have any other kids left? Because none of these are the one that God has chose. Because, yeah, I got my youngest son, David, who's out guarding the sheep, taking care of them, but he's a nobody. And when they brought David in, God chose David to be king. Now, the thing about being anointed king at this point in time was he was young and God wasn't ready for him to be the king. So you know what he had to do? Well, after being anointed the next king, David left there that day and went back out in the fields to be a shepherd boy that nobody was paying attention to. Man doesn't always see the anointing God has on our life. And sometimes we can get caught up in what the world has to say and we might lose it for sure because 
When God anoints us, it doesn't mean it's for that second. It's for a time to come. It's for a tomorrow. But then later on we hear David, he's, we know that he's kept the faith because he goes out to give food to his brothers. And they're at war and he's like, well, why is all Israel sitting over here not fighting? Why aren't we at war? And Goliath came out, a giant, and, you know, mocked Israel. And he goes, what's going on? Why hasn't somebody taken care of this giant and why haven't we won the war already? See, Israel... He got so caught up in kingship of Saul and all the rest that they had forgotten God. But David, who was been anointed many years earlier, had faith. He's like, look, this giant is nothing. Because the God I serve is a lot bigger than that thing that's standing over there. He can take care of that no problem. Another thing we learn from David at this point in time is when he went in to see Saul and said, hey, king, I'm going to go battle the giant. Saul tried to give him his armor, his sword. And he goes, look, I don't want that. I have not practiced in that. I, I have not trained in any of that. I don't know how to use any of that. But I'm going to take with what I have, what I have trained with, where God has delivered the bear and the lion into my hands when they come to eat my sheep. And I'm going to go out with a slingshot and five stones. And we'll take care of business. The, the most important thing to understand here is when Goliath came and said, send your champion because I am the Philistines champion. He wasn't calling the man out. When that time when they talked about champions, whoever was the champion, that was the champion of the God they served. So he said, look, I'm the champion of the Philistine gods, and I'm going to show you that he's the true God. Send your champion out. And when David went out there, he mocked him. He said, man, you're just a little boy. I'm going to show you up today. What, well, who do they think I am to send a child out here to fight me? And David already knew it's not my strength, it's not my might, but it's God's. And he threw a the slingshot, he threw one stone out and hit the giant, Goliath, in the forehead. And we, we know with, you know, if you get hit in the forehead, you're probably going to fall backwards. Goliath fell forward, the Bible mentioned it, and I think that was for a reason. Because the stone is not what killed Goliath. But when David had faith and hit him, God was right there behind him said, boop, you're gone. I'm going to show you who the champion is. I'm going to show you who the God of gods is. And you're not going to mock me. And we live in a world that is mocking God today. And if we would listen to God's voice, if we would get close to God, if we would get into the inner sanctums with God and we would just spend time with Him, and we would just listen to Him. You know what the enemy saying? Show me your champion. It's not me. It's the God I serve. And if we would go and listen to God and we would stand up for the things that are going on around us. And we'd say, listen, I'm here representing the God of gods, the king of kings. Yeah, you can make fun of me. You can say that my speech is hate speech. But let me tell you, God loves everyone. Sin, he hates. And I don't care if you're homosexual. I don't care if you're heterosexual sleeping around. I don't care if you're a drunkard. I don't care if you're a liar. If it is sin... 
it is an abomination to God. And I don't care what you're doing. If it's unholy, it's not worth doing. And if we would stand up to sin, period. If we'd stand up to the enemy, period. And not pick and choose. My speech isn't hate. I love each and every one because God loves each and every one. God's heart is for people to go to heaven. But there's only one way. And that's through Jesus, and that's through accepting him, and that's through stopping what we're doing. Stop justifying the sin that we all are doing. It's all equal. I've heard people speak about greater sin and less than sin. Sin keeps you out of heaven, period. So whether you're the little white liar who won't straighten up and follow Jesus, or you're doing whatever the worst thing you can think in your head of being sin. In God's eyes, you're all equal. He can't have sin in his presence. So we need to listen to God when he has directed us to what we're doing is not right. And we need to straighten that up out of our life. And if we would do that, when we would go before people, they wouldn't see us. What they would see is the love of God. They would see God's holiness. And they would know that they need to change to be accepted by God. We know that David went on after that. He Saul tried to kill him because he didn't like David. God had made David a mighty warrior. They would sing songs when they came back. Saul has killed his hundreds. David has killed the thousands. If you walk in what God wants you to walk in, He's going to give you victory. And we know that David ran from Saul because Saul tried to kill him. Could David have killed Saul? Yes. He was a better warrior. He was a better soldier than Saul. He could have killed him at that point, but he ran. Because he knew that even though he was anointed one day to be king... God hadn't removed his anointing off Saul to still be king. And it wasn't his job to take over. Later on, David saw Saul in the cave. Saul was going to the bathroom. David snuck up behind him, cut a piece of his cloak off and hung it there. Now some of that I think was a little bit of... um, pride and arrogance on David's part because he wanted to say, look, I was this close and I saved your life. Now, he didn't kill him. He still honored the anointing God had on Saul, but I think David already was a little prideful like, hey, Saul, I just want you to know I was this close. So you better watch out. And we, As we go on to read through the story of David, we know that Saul died at the hand of the enemy and then David took over being king. And David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem because that's where it belonged. And we know the story. We know that David went out the first time to bring the Ark back and David did it his way. He made a big parade of it. He made it all about him and what he was going to do. And there was a certain way that the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be moved. Supposed to have two wooden poles through it. And there were supposed to have been priests on each side that carried it. 
Well, David thought, well, the easiest way, the fastest way, we're going to put it on the cart and we're going to pull it back. And as he was going back, the cart hit a bump. The Ark of the Covenant went to fall off. And there was a young man there that went to stop because he didn't want to see the Ark fall off. Well, there were strict rules that they weren't supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant or they'd be killed. And when he touched it, he fell down dead. See, when we get full of ourselves, we're not the only one that suffers. There's people around us that suffers too. And the second time that David went back to get the Ark of the Covenant, he had realized that he wasn't truly king. He was an earthly king, but the king that Israel served was God. And it wasn't about him, it was about God. So he went back with a different mindset, a different thought, and he went back to take the Ark back and he did it the right way. He did it God's way. And we know that the Ark came back and stayed in Jerusalem while he was king. We know that David is put down as one of the great kings. But we also know that at one point in time, David got so full of himself that Israel was in war. And if anybody knows of the time, the place the king should have been during war is out on the battlefield overseeing what was going on. At this point in time, David was at home and all the men were out fighting. And David was out walking one day looking over his kingdom. And he looked over and there was this beautiful lady taking a bath on top of the house where the bath was or however it was set up back then. Why, I don't know. But, you know, uh, good thing today, everything is indoors, not outdoors, I guess. But back then, I guess it was outdoors on the roof and she was taking a bath. Now, David wasn't where he should have been already because if he was with him where he should have been, he would have been on the battlefield with his men. But never been a temptation. When he asked who she was, even the servant that came up said, well, that's so-and-so's wife. She's married. And David's like, well, that, that's all right. I just want to have dinner with her. You know, when we start justifying sin, we, we start out with small, like, all we're going to do is just talk. We're not going to do anything. I, I just want to see how she's doing, make sure that she's fed all right. And we know what happens. It led to an affair. She got pregnant. Now, if she had never got pregnant, they would have just gone on and like, well, nothing happened. So sad, too bad. It's all covered up. So David called her husband back and said, well, if he comes back and he sleeps with his wife, I'm in the clear. And we start looking for ways to cover up our sin, too. And then her husband came back and said, well, as long as my men are out fighting, I can't go be with my wife. It wouldn't be right. So he slept on the doorstep of the king's door. Well, that's going to be kind of hard to cover it up now because we know you're, if you're sleeping here and everybody saw you, we can't cover this up. So David again thinks, man, I can fix this. I'll bring him over and I'll get him drunk. And in his drunken state, he'll go home for sure. He won't have his moral compass at that point in time. So David brought him over, got him drunk. He went and slept on the doorstep again. So David's like, what am I going to do? 
What am I going to do? So he gets a plan. He sends a letter with him. He gives a letter back with him. He said, when you go back, give this to the captain. And the letter said, hey, put him on the front line. I know all the battles there and not many people return. So put him on the front line. Even though he's a mighty soldier, he's a very good asset. I want him on the front line. So he was killed. So David pretty much signed his death sentence to get out of his sin. Now, with all that being said, David still was known as a man after God's own heart. David realized he sinned. And God sent a prophet to him and told him a story. And David was infuriated when he heard the end of the story, like, this guy needs to be found and killed. And he goes, well, you're the guy. And David realized that he messed up. You see, when we let sin in, sometimes we, we shut off the, the voice of God coming in. We put earplugs in and we kind of justify what we're doing. But when he realized, he turned around, he repented, and he got back right with God. Now, I want to know, want you to know that even if you've messed up, it doesn't matter. God's still willing to take you back if we will turn and we will go back to what God has said. Now, the only thing is, if we read the rest of David's story, even though he's a man after God's own heart, he had a lot of trouble from there on out from result of things that he had done when he wasn't living right. And we can't blame God for those kind of things. So many people want to say, well, God, why is this happening to me? Well, if you messed up and you've caused a lot of problems, it doesn't mean God's going to stop every problem from coming back at you. It means that he'll give you grace. It means he'll help you through those times. But he's not going to just stop everything because you repented, because you've made trouble and sometimes you've got to face the consequences and destruction. So... This morning, I just wanted to go ahead and stand. We're going to bring it to a close. In the aviation term, we're going to bring it in for a landing. But no matter what stage you are in life, no matter what stage you are in a Christian, we always have to listen the voice you haven't made it until you're no longer on this earth and you're with God and the stories that I've brought to you out of the Bible they they were mighty men of God they did great things David messed up a few times but he always went back to listening to the voice Following God. And that's what I want us to do. I want us to listen to the voice. The praise team will come on up. We're going to close out in prayer. And I'd like to invite you up front because there's just something about getting out of your comfort zone of where you're at. And seeking God out. And I'm not saying that you're coming that there's some major thing, but we need to get closer to God in the times that we are living in. We need to be standing more as an example of people around us in these times. There's a world lost 
dying and going to hell. Because they're listening to the wrong voice. There's a voice that's telling them that no matter what they think is true, is true. There's a voice that's telling them that they don't have to change anything. And we're seeing it more and more prevalent today and there's so many people that's going to end up in hell if we don't do something. We've been called to be the church. We've been called to be His people. We need to listen to His voice and do what He is asking. So I'm just going to call you up to the front. Let's go ahead and come to the front and let's just seek God in a way we never have before to walk farther and closer to Him to follow his voice where he is leading us. Here is where I 